Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today to have a, a episode type that we're hoping we can get more people interested in. But we're going to talk about a specific season from a past Raven, memories of that, things that made that season special. And we've got a great one to start for you, the 2006 season of Adelis Thomas. And joining me to talk about that is Tyler Gross. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for asking. Uh, Tyler, you've been on once before, but uh, tell folks where they can find you on Twitter, for example. Twitter is just my full name, Tyler Gross, uh, G-R-O-S-E. I'm not super active on there. You're pretty much the uh, only person I 
talk to on there actually, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show again. The last time was really good. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Adilis Thomas's 2006 season. I'll set it up a little bit. Adilis Thomas is in his last season with the Ravens. He'd go on to sign with the Patriots. Uh, it was about 29, I think, that season. I do need to look that up. But uh, uh, a, I think so. You think he was 29? Yeah, I think because he was drafted in 2000. I think he was 23. So he, he would have been around that. It was six years in. Yep, born August 1877. So he was, he was 29. And a lot of people criticize the Patriots for signing a guy uh, for so much money after, you know, at age 30 and whatnot. He had one very big year for them in 2007. And then he uh, kind of dropped off a little bit after that and and uh, didn't play out the full contract uh, with the Pats. But uh, but his 2006 season was preceded by an amazing 2005 season. I set this up a little bit. In 2005, the Ravens lost a large portion of their secondary to injuries. They had you know, about three men left standing at the end of the year in terms of having Ed Reed, Samari Roll, and uh, Sanders was there. Ed Reed was actually lost, uh, you know, for a portion of the year as well. And what they had to do was uh, ask Adalus Thomas to play safety or what would have been safety on a number of plays. So he would cover the tight end a lot of the time. And, uh, and it wasn't as common uh, probably in 2006 that other teams were running 11 out there every play or even 10 would be would have been very rare to try and take advantage of what the Ravens didn't have. But Dallas Thomas allowed Rex Ryan to play 265 defensive snaps that year with only three defensive backs on the field. Yeah, I mean, it It was it was that season from him was just a godsend in terms of what the team needed at the time. And, you know, leaning into that, I don't remember when we got the moniker, the organized chaos thing, but he mm-hmm. just like the epitome of well, who's coming, who's rushing, what are these guys doing? Are they going to even stay in the assignment that they look like they're lined up in? And he filled all of those roles so uniquely. It was really fun to see before his time, I think he was. Yeah, very, very versatile in a lot of ways, kind of similar to Tyus Bowser, frankly, a little bit better version of Tyus Bowser and, and mm-hmm. Bowser, fantastic coverage guy. Thomas was was that and he was a great pass rusher as well. Uh, in and he's giving you that at 270. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Runs like a deer, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing we, we don't talk enough about, and I want to go back to the pass rush thing is is great special teams player was a gunner oh, yeah. on the punt team and, during that season. I think they <laughs> didn't that even, season, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he had been for years, uh, you know, as a guy who was very fast, very, very difficult to block and, and, uh, just a great special teams player. But I want to go back to the, to what he did on third down as opposed to the early downs. Cause the Ravens played a traditional three, four defense with two standing outside linebackers that would give Ryan lots of opportunities to rush different people. Ryan was not, uh, ashamed at all of blitzing any of his eleven that season in a in a in a season where the Ravens got sixty sacks. One of them was by an outside cornerback, Samari Roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had about ten rushes in total from the outside that season. So uh, not just Roll, but the combination of Roll and McAllister did. Um, and, and part of that was Dewan Landry being able to jump in on the outside and and yeah. uh, and cover a guy. Great rookie season from him as well. Yeah, that was that was huge. But if he there was there wasn't a ton of stuff I could find just to kind of refresh my memory online. But I found a couple games and then a couple highlights. And it was so fun to see the way they used him. One of the plays in the uh, Saints game that season, he was lined up in. It looked like the two technique over the left guard Mm -hmm. standing. And then the play started and he dropped into like a bubble 
maybe in like a cover three to cover the tight end, like running out towards like on like a little out route. And I was, and then, and breeze immediately turned away to throw it to the other side of the field. And I was like, what, you know, what must they be thinking at that? Cause he's, he's, he had like five or six sacks in the first few weeks. You have to, you know, worry about him as a pass threat. And then he's dropping into coverage and it must've just put teams in a total whirlwind. You know, remarkable, remarkable player. And the Saints, you know, they were they were a good team. The Ravens went in there and, uh, you know, in New Orleans, and they knocked the crap out of them. They Blew the doors breeze, off. Breeze, breeze had a terrible game. He's throwing picks all over the place. You know, the announcers basically blamed it on, oh, it's Breeze's fault for throwing a bunch of picks. Well, no, I mean, it's organized chaos. Right. Creating yeah. the difficulty for him. And um, Ronnie Prude had the game of his life that day. <laughs> yeah, so <for laughs> that sure. was a lot of fun. I imagine that I imagine him even being in that position spec to, uh, spoke to like the slight struggle with depth that we were having because I think he was mm-hmm. like an undrafted rookie or something. Yeah, and he was getting some legitimate minutes in there trying to guard Marcus Colston and the like. Yeah, they they uh, you know they had uh, certainly some 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 decent players in there. They they had uh, Jerome Sapp was back for a second tour with the Ravens and he was the dime back that year. Uh, the Ravens did they had Bart Scott and and he was playing great. You know he had his his big season and they kept him on for three downs a fair amount. But when they took him off, they, they would get Warren Sapp in there as the dime back. Uh, but, but uh, Thomas, the interesting thing is there's, there was, it wasn't a problem for him either to line up in a three point stance or standing. Mm-hmm. And on third down, he would typically just line up as a, as a typical four, three end. We would think of a McCrary or a Bullware or somebody like that. Who's just lining up to rush the passer on third down and in, in a, you know, kind of a standard four two five look. Uh, it's, it's that he was able to switch from that and cover on another down. I mean, just think about who in the NFL game today can do that at all. I mean, you know, I was thinking about that. I I was wondering if he was coming out now, what he would look like and, and how he would be used, you know, cause at first I was like, maybe this is kind of a cam chancellor thing where cam chancellor's the, the uh, kind of the flip side of that, where he's the safety that's, that's almost playing linebacker and mm-hmm. he's really unique. And maybe Thomas, you know, would have, would have tried to slim down and do that kind of a thing, or maybe he was unique enough that he would have just stayed in that role, but been extremely way more valuable. Um, I, it's, it's hard to say. I also wondered, because it's it's pretty rare. Bill, that's pretty much the only time I can think of that Bill Belichick got burned on a free agent signing where he took the someone else's player, overpaid him, and then it wasn't able to unlock him the same way. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if maybe some of the success there could be attributed to the scheme and the the team's lack of knowledge of having players being used that way and you know not knowing how to exploit it. And maybe he would would have gotten exposed in today's game a little bit more than he was that year. Well, Belichick has been pretty good at using linebackers like that in the years since. You know, he's had a bunch of guys who have been standing outside linebackers who could also cover. In fact, you know, I, I predicted ahead of time that Judon was going to end up with the Patriots because he just he fits their profile exactly of a standing uh, or three point linebacker who can who can drop the cover. Um, I would have thought the same thing about Tyus Bowser, by the way, too, if he'd been the one to go, that the Patriots would have probably ended up getting him. Mm hmm. Uh, with with uh, Thomas, it was a, it was some of that was due to scheme, perhaps. But I think some was just due to age. And he was out of the league in three years. Uh, it, it's not completely surprising. He'd had some injury history with the Ravens, but in 2006, he played over a thousand defensive snaps. Uh, it led the entire Ravens linebacker crew. Even Bart Bart Scott played. Let me see. I'm, I exclude penalties from my total, so I have to always say that up front. 
but he played 962 rush plus pass plays. It looks like about 996, including penalties. 972 for Thomas, so 10 more, and 1,007, including penalties. So um, those guys were really on the field pretty much all the time, which means that they they had three linebackers who were on the field uh, uh, you know, most of the time. So Thomas was, was lining up a lot of times as a, as a uh, uh, outside linebacker or even a, a, a three-point end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who, who do you th- – I'm curious, uh, what would you say? Like modern-day comparisons or where he would fit in today's game, what would you expect from a player like that? Um, to be drafted very high, and he was drafted in the sixth round by the Ravens, so that's a, that's the first big difference I would I would see. Um, I think you, you would have a guy like that come into the league. It would probably be known that he's one of the few line, outside linebackers that you can immediately trust to cover. And so his stock would go up from that. And we've seen a number of guys who who fit that bill in recent years, like Zach Bond really came out of came out of college with that reputation. Then he ended mm-hmm. up being kind of not big enough to be as effective at the position as as uh, you know folks might have hoped. Yeah, uh, Cardinals but, took a guy early that was a smaller version of that. That's that linebacker they took a couple years ago, top five. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Remember him? Yeah, I, yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, he's a, he's an inside guy though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like, he, they they put him at safety and slot, and he was all over the place. He hasn't really translated yet so far, but. Yeah, I, I, I've got it. This is now driving me nuts here. I've got to remember <laughs> Isaiah Simmons. Is yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, they drafted Zaven Collins in 2021, who's who's very similar in terms of yeah. being an out, outside linebacker who's who's got some coverage skills. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just, I, I, I think he would, I think he'd be tremendously valued oh, if yeah. they understood what he would be. But remember he came out of Southern Mississippi. I think I have it right there, right? Southern Mississippi with a, with a defensive tackle was the position he was at. And in 2000, 2001, I mean, he was playing a lot of defensive tackle for the Ravens, uh, lining up inside in a, in a, you know, three tech, four tech, five tech. Uh, kind of spot five tech would really be an end, but but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, where he's a he's a down lineman on the inside, and uh, uh, that was something that uh, you know the Ravens uh, made great use of in terms of his versatility. But the, they they eventually found his home uh, as we did with Jarrett Johnson in terms of moving him to outside linebacker. For sure. Yeah. I mean, his his straight end speed must have been must have been something crazy. He um. You're muted. I apologize. I just missed that. Oh no, that's okay. I, I you wanted me to stop for a second, right? No, no, no. You're you're good to keep going. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, so uh, uh, missed the last point you were making. Oh, uh, we talked about oh, Isaiah Simmons. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. Um, his straight end, like his just his just straight line speed, really popped off in the two games I watched. I I'd, obviously being a gunner on the punt team. You know, you got to have the speed. But there was a play in the uh, Chargers game that season, and a day, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson uh, bounced the ball out to the left side of the field and just takes off and is going to have a breakaway touchdown. And Adelius Thomas is on the, I think he's at the seven tech on the right tackle and hooks around to the play and runs straight up and catches Ladanian Tomlinson. Crazy, crazy, and and LT is like visibly irritated. Like throws the ball <laughs> and is like annoyed and saved. It was still a forty something yard run, but like he just had such a unique blend of that speed and power size that he could push put together. 
you know, he, there could be a little optimistic uh, Adafe Owe in there. If you think about Adafe Owe being yeah. mid two fifties, super fast. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's like a little foreshadowing of what we could get from him if he could learn to cover. No, that's, that's a great comp. And, and you see where Owe went, despite the fact that he really didn't have any college sack production to speak of. Right. Yeah, it speaks, was, yeah. yeah it, it really, really speaks to them. People uh, being in love with this physical traits uh, a little bit more, but Rafael, a, a great comp. And I, we, we, we discussed that a little bit in the, uh, in the last uh, uh, year or so in terms of where he is. Okay. You know, this is I, one thing I was looking for was arm length. And I'm a little surprised that Dillis Thomas, a little bit shorter arms than you would expect for his height and only 33 inches, but uh, still, uh, uh, you know, certainly a player who could use his length effectively at uh, uh, getting longer with one arm, very strong, very powerful player to go with that speed as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, power was probably his biggest, biggest positive coming out, you know, listed at D tackle and being his size. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reason that he slipped away farther than he should have was that they didn't recognize the speed. I was trying to look up his combine numbers and I, I guess he didn't run the 40, but he ran the 10 yard uh, split and the, the, um, the shuffle, the shuttle one. And Mm -hmm. his numbers were crazy. I think they had him um, in like the 97 percentile in the 10 yard one. So Mm -hmm. he had like the explosiveness that you were looking for and the, uh, the speed to combine with that, like the top end speed with that explosive first step. So, you know, maybe the, the arm thing didn't come into play as much. Yeah, I, I think when when folks look at Adafi Owe, uh, there's a player who uh, probably is the greater athlete pretty much across the board than Thomas. As explosive sure. as he was, uh, Owe combines that with with length, more top end speed. Uh, I, I think he'll be a fantastic Sam linebacker when the time comes in terms of he'll be able to cover a tight end. If you want to move him out to the slot, he'll be able to do that. If you want to have him cover over the line of scrimmage, just a matter of layering on those responsibilities as you, as you go in. And of course, um, Adilis Thomas uh, uh, certainly learned that stuff as he went along. Um, incredible that he maintained his special teams role. They took players like Ed Reed, who were critical to the defense, off the field on special teams. They didn't let him play anymore after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick said, you know, I, I would have never taken Ed Reed off the punt team after what he'd done those first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but but with Thomas, uh, you know, it was, it was always an integral part of his game. Well, that just, you know, the, that just speaks to that whole, I think one of his defensive coaches gave him the defensive slash nickname. And um, I think they just thought of him as like this plug and play puzzle piece that like whatever you needed to fit into the team to, to most effectively help them win the game, they'd put them in that spot. And it, there was just, you know, a belief that he was going to, you know, contribute in whatever way it was needed. Right. I'm curious, did you, were you tracking the, the games back then the same way yes. you are? So did yep. you, did you have like grades on him at different positions? Like how did he grade out when he lined up at safety or slot? Okay. So even to this day, I haven't really been a grade type player uh, except on the mm. offensive line. So the, the, uh, the things I have for him is, is what, the, what snaps he was in for all the things, you know, they had a, uh, they, they sacked the quarterback on 10.2% of the, the, the snaps he was in the game. They, they had turnovers on 4.1%, which by the way, are, are exactly the same totals as the team. Cause he played almost every snap, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I have that kind of information. So I know what, certainly what packages he was involved in. I have that, 
but I don't have his exact alignment by play. Mm-hmm. Uh, places like PFF keep track of that. I don't know if they were even keeping track of it as early as 2006. They, it may have been one of these seasons they went back to do, uh, but but I'm just not aware of whether they did it or not. Yeah, yeah. I would just I would just be I was curious to know if um, how he fared out. You know, obviously he he was great in general, but I, I was curious like when he was really put in space, having to guard some of the plays. I I would see him like trying to carry a tight end up the seam straight up, and I'd be like, man, is that? I wonder if he consistently did that super effectively, or if that was like a need, they needed it for that play. You know. Okay, so they do have it here for I'm, I'm looking at PFF and they I, I, I can tell you two things. One is that the Ravens played with three defensive backs still 102 times in 2006. So Dales Thomas is going to be at the heart of that. Yeah. Um, but the other component of this is that Dales Thomas was dropped to coverage, according to PFF now, 384 times on the season. That's just okay. a remarkable percentage. He only rushed the passer 251 times, and that includes times where he's lined up as a three-point stance. And you said he played about 1,000 snaps, so basically a yeah. third of the time he's in coverage. Yeah, I mean, and you really you, you want to trim out the, the run plays out of that to just get it down to the pass plays where you're, where you're at about 635, and he covered more than he rushed the passer, which is absolutely incredible for a player like him. Right, and speaks to how effective he was in that pass rushing role with yeah. the eleven sacks and ton of pressures and quarterback hits. I, one of the plays, I think, I can't believe Drew Brees popped up afterwards towards the end of the game that I was watching. <laughs> he really laid him out. Yeah, out, outstanding uh, across the board season. One of the really great and lesser known defensive seasons in Ravens history. Probably, if you ask people, you know, who, who had the greatest ever Ravens, they're going to say Ray Lewis two thousand, Ray Lewis two thousand three, Ed Reed. In 2004, Ed Reed in 2008, and and those are all the you know good ones um, t- f- for candidacy for this. But Adelis Thomas 2006 is right there with a whole sure. bunch of other seasons and uh, uh, deserves to be considered certainly in that light. Yeah, I think I think the problem was that he his peak was so short, he didn't sustain it as long. The team didn't have the success that I think you and I probably think they could have had. It was mm-hmm. I think it was a championship defense, and they were ready for that. Um, and then in the offense just kind of fizzled out, but I don't know. I was thinking about it. I don't know if there's any one player on the defense that was more important to that style that they were playing than, than Thomas. He wasn't the best player that defense was so stacked, you know, McAllister mm-hmm. and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are all, are all better players, but all of them were playing the more traditional roles that, that teams were playing in the defense at the time. And that that strange organized chaos thing that Rex Ryan was doing for those couple of years, I don't know that there was anyone that helped them play that way more than than At. Right, I I, I would agree. I mean, I, it, he was a great uh, over and under player on stunts. Obviously, that quickness is is terrific. The Ravens did a lot of that in that era. In fact, they did a lot of all measures of deception. Uh, Ryan loved to blitz with his guys. Uh, Trevor Price is another guy who was added for that 06 season, who mm-hmm. I think was kind of the the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of, yeah, yeah. I remember and that, fa- and that's from the interior too. Most of that yeah. is, you know, not a guy who lines up all the way on the edge most of the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we had we had time. Nada too. We had Nada on the other side, didn't we? Uh, Nada was in his rookie year, and yeah. he, and he's playing a lot of uh, three and five both. He yeah. put some nose as well, but but three and five mostly. So Kelly Gregg was the primary nose. Right, right. So uh, it's, it's a great team. I mean, when you look down this team in terms of all the great years, Terrell Suggs really took a backseat in a lot of ways 
to mm-hmm. a whole bunch of players that year. And it's not that he wasn't great. You know, I had, had his typical fantastic year as a run defender where uh, he could turn the edges exactly how he wanted to. But uh, a testament maybe a little bit to Suggs in terms of being able to contribute to a group unit this way as opposed to, uh, which I've always thought very highly of him you know, as a player, but um, he's certainly also someone who accumulates plenty of defensive statistics as well. Uh, but when you, when you think about Terrell Suggs, I hope you'll think about him like you do Calais Campbell. Uh, in the future, a guy who didn't really rack up the kind of sack numbers he could have if the if the if the scheme and uh, and whatnot were were aligned to to really focus on him getting one on one matchups all the time, as opposed to yeah yeah oh no I, I mean totally not and not only that not only was he really kind of a selfless player in his play style you know you know he could have gone for the high sack numbers and and that sort of thing so not only that, do I think that contributed to maybe on paper him not looking like such of a lock for the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. even though he's going to get in? I think also it, it probably hurt him a little bit early on um, numbers wise playing on teams like like that that 06 team. When you look at it, I mean we had four linebackers making the Pro Bowl. We had you know that defensive line is crazy. So he's it's it's good for the team, but he isn't needed as much. He's almost he's almost a, a, an embarrassment of riches, a, kind of a luxury. You know, Bart yeah. Scott was like, it, that was prime Bart Scott time as well. And you mm-hmm. had Ray Lewis, you had AT and, you know, Suggs is, is out there too, but then you don't want to take Trevor Price off the field and there's so much going on. Probably hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, that uh, you know, Suggs, Suggs still never really came off the field. And in, in, uh, in 2006, he played 94% of the snaps. So he was a really generational unusual Ravens talent in particular where he didn't really fall into the rotational scheme until later in his career when they really wanted to take him off the field. But most of the games, I mean, literally what I see is he comes off the field for one, two play stretch. That was usually the, 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 the deal with him. Sometimes he'd come off at the end of the game. Of course that, that could happen, but he'd come off the game for two plays midway through the third quarter. I'm a little tired. And then he'd be right back in there and he'd play all the rest of the plays. Right. And uh, just a remarkable, uh, remarkable player. And he actually played slightly fewer snaps than Thomas. And I'd really have to look into that to see, was that a matter of being hurt for a game or something like that? But he played about 40 less total snaps that year. Hmm. Anyway, Thomas, a, a great year. So many highlights to remember specifically from the year, and and one of them was the uh, the run back against the Steelers. Corey Ivey rushed in off the edge, knocked the ball loose, and Thomas picked it up, and no one was going to catch him. Oh yeah, the, the, the I'll tell you the the the, the one I remember kind of almost been in a bittersweet way was in the Pro Bowl. The uh, scoop and score he had in the Pro Bowl, I I, I was like yelling at the TV, no, 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 because I knew this guy he was gone. You know, I, I knew it was his free agent year, and I was I had already been reading articles. You know, are they going to be able to afford to keep him? And he he balled out in the Pro Bowl. I mean, he might have won the MVP in that Pro Bowl, and I was like, all right, the writing's on the wall. Someone's snagging this dude. All right, well, you were not wrong. That uh, that uh, certainly was a bummer that they lost him. I don't think there was really any thought that the Ravens were going to be able to keep him after yeah. 2006. You know, he, he signed an extension. Bart Scott had signed an extension. Um, that's un- a little unusual for, for the Ravens who have to make all sorts of very heartbreaking decisions about their uh, talented players that they draft 
Bart Scott's case, they didn't even draft him. They they got him as a UDFA. But and I mean, we we barely kept him. I'm pre- I think he took like a four million dollar pay cut the, from a Browns offer just to stay with the team. Yes, yeah, so he was in the Browns um, facility. Yeah, and he probably got an offer from the Browns. I'm not even sure if I've heard that exactly. But if he did get an offer, he probably got it given to the, the way. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Pat Kerwin always mm-hmm. says he says, "Okay, you can you you can't leave the building." This this offer is good until you leave the building, but it's you know it's three years, fifteen million or whatever it would be, and he ended up resigning for the for the Ravens for three years for twelve or thirteen million. I don't remember what the yeah. total was, but uh, well, I, I heard I I know Bart Scott said that he took some four is the number that's popping in my head, but I know he took a, a decent a pay cut to stay with them. So I don't know yeah. if that's if that's revisionist history on his part, but. I mean, that team, you really can't get defenses as stacked as that defense is if you just go down the roster. You can't get teams like that unless you have guys that you hit on that are playing on rookie deals or that are on pay cuts. And, you know, it's not possible to fit that under the salary cap if they're making what they should be. Right. Absolutely. You know, I I completely agree. I mean, even the 2000 Ravens defensive line, of course, is known for being great. The 2001 line, even more stacked. In fact, the the uh, uh, that defensive line I believe to be the deepest in NFL history, and I'm just going to go through mm. it with you really quickly here. Yeah, remind me who they added. I'm trying yeah, to remember. So, so uh, let me make sure I have this here. And they had Thomas. Yeah, Thomas was on the team, and he would certainly be among that. But here's here's the guys in terms of years and career games. They had Sam Adams, who played 14 years in the NFL, 206 career games. Rob Burnett, 14 years, 202 games. Lionel Dalton, nine years, 120 games. Marcus Douglas, 11 years, 126 games. Kelly Gregg, 11 years, 153 games. Michael McCrary, 10 years, 136 games. Tony Saragusa, 12 years, 169 games. Adelis Thomas, 10 years, 135 games. Now, he played a lot of stand-up linebackers. So I've included him in this group because he was a, a, a defensive end on a lot of third down plays. But I could understand if people say he, he doesn't really belong there. Larry Webster, 10 years, 136 games. And the guy who's missing from this is a guy who replaced McCrary uh, when he got hurt is Peter Boulware, who led the AFC in sacks, moving to defensive end from his typical outside linebacker role. So for my money, the 2001 Ravens, I I've, I mean, it's just incredible they would have eight guys, nine guys, actually, it's actually 10 guys together on the same team who would have those kind of careers. At any, you know, being at any point, you know, along the line where they're, you know, where they, you know, have their rights. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of cool um, to think about it, you know, you bringing that up where that the, I mean, Ray Lewis, obviously being the the catalyst for all this, but those early 2000s teams j- being just built on that line and mm-hmm. shutting down the run, not being able to move. And then, um, then transitioning to the linebacker core, just having these crazy fast, like Bart Scott, I think ran a four or five. So all the, like these linebackers that were versatile could do everything. And now transitioning to today and the, in the twenties, um, being built on the back end with all of us, with, you know, the focus on the secondary, it's basically just transitioned between the three levels throughout these decades. Yeah. The, the, the 2000 Ravens, I mean, I think it's still fair to say they were they were built as much front to back as they were back to front. I mean, they're just incredibly solid throughout. But their secondary had three first round picks and a second round pick. Sure, sure. So, yeah, they, well, I mean, the every, every I mean, that, you know, everyone on that defense was incredible, yeah. obviously. But yeah, it's a, I, I just I, I mean, from a team focus standpoint, I, I don't know if it was coincidental or conscientious of 
you know, them seeing the transition and wanting to go, you know, okay, D line now linebackers and now obviously focusing on the secondary, but if let's, let's, let's take a supposition here that obviously can't happen, but if you could have a Dallas Thomas 2006 on the 2022 Ravens, is there anybody right now, given the Ravens various depth issues, uh, maybe John Ogden at left tackle would be, you know, another one you take because of the, the, the concerns we currently have there. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but uh, in, in terms of a defensive player, is there anybody you'd rather have to replace who you now have hmm. at a position? Oh, you know, yeah, th- maybe not, maybe more. not, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I, the only thing I could think of if, if, if we were doing like, like player year specifically, mm-hmm. I, I, I would still, pro, I would still take one of the Ray Lewis seasons because okay. I think he, what, before he put on weight, I think Great he point. put on weight intentionally throughout his career to, to get, you know, the, one of the few knocks on him coming out was, was could he get off of blocks? And he was a super fast uh, undersized linebacker and he became bigger. So I think those early 2001, 2004, three Ray Lewis seasons where he was, like four four speed, I think that guy he wouldn't have to be middle linebacker. You could plug him in in really unique ways as well, and you know he'd be like a Bobby Wagner on you know even faster basically. You'd also be covering up for what is currently a pretty big weakness for the t- 2022 Ravens. So that that would be yeah, it'd be, be only fair. I've got you know there are a lot of great Ravens in defensive history, obviously, but slot corner another weakness for the Ravens this year. I'd probably take Lardarius Webb 2011. Is another guy I would I would plug right in and and have no regrets about how that worked out. He was yeah. unbelievably great. Another another guy whose uh, whose peak was was shortened from the injuries. You know, speaking of the Ronnie Stanley thing and stuff. It's too. It, it, I always wondered. You know, uh, he he kind of felt to me like he could have been on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and I think he really got sapped of his athleticism with those knee things. Those you took Webb. Now you're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just I, I'm speaking of Webb like that. Like those. You know, those few, he was a safety, I think at a Nichols, Nichols state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just had like, I think he was more athletic than his coaches realized. And Ozzie Newsom saw something and was like, you know, Hey, you, how about outside corner? How about slot corner? How about he, he, when then he went back to safety, he, he was a unique player. Yeah. And, and, a, and a particularly great one in 2011, an era where everybody was talking about Revis. He was a, he was a guy who uh, uh, was, he held opponents to a 42 passer rating against, including the playoffs. He had a couple of picks in the playoffs against, mm-hmm. um, who was he covering? Uh, Texans, Andre Johnson. Yeah. He had uh, good hands too. Yeah. He had good hands. If I remember right, Chris McAllister had rocks for hands. <laughs> so if memory stirs me, I, I couldn't, him and Dominic Foxworth, I was like, these guys, like someone get the stick them, please. <laughs> Uh, Starks on the other side had remarkable hands and he, yeah. was, he was definitely a ball hawk at, at uh corner who's undervalued, but uh, McAllister, I, I think of as being, a, you know, he's a physical corner, which means he's not looking back into the backfield as often. He's more likely to be in press. Yeah. Uh, Starks more, I think of more as a, you know, off corner, a zone corner, a guy who's going to be looking at the quarterback, figuring out what's going on more like Marcus Peters and, and Marlon Humphrey. I mean, if you're comparing those two, I don't, I don't know that I'd really say his hands were rocks. McAllister had a few picks himself too. So I think there's, I think that's just residual emotional damage from me watching him <laughs> drop it. And I attribute probably more the, of a hands issue than there really was all right 
All right. Well, outstanding. This is a lot of fun. I hope some other people will listen to this and say, hey, you know, there's a player I want to talk about for some particular season. And if you do, please uh, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'll get back to you right away. We got a little bit of time before camp starts. That's the time to do these kind of shows. Tyler, wonderful to have you on again. Tell people where they can talk football with you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter, as I said at the beginning there, Tyler Gross. Um, Instagram, Tyler, not Taylor. Other than that, I'm not really uh, on any other social media stuff. All right. Well, great having you on. Hopefully people make an effort to, to get to get to know you, get to talk with you. And uh, anytime you want to talk again, Tyler, I'm all for it. Thanks again for coming on. Oh, yes. Thank you. Very fun to talk with you, Ken. Anytime. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.